Hi guys, welcome to the show Into the Mind. I'm your host Marlon Johnson. I'm a parkour athlete turned real estate investor who's spent the last eight years of life studying the mindset of elite performers and applying their lessons to my own life. In my pursuit for success, I've sought out wisdom from those who are doing exactly what I wish to do in all areas of life, and I've asked that they share their wins and losses with me. From that pursuit, this podcast was born. I wanted to share the valuable advice that I was receiving from successful entrepreneurs, investors, and world-class athletes within my community, and I wanted to bring it back to you all. So thank you for tuning in. This show is free, and my guests give their precious time to be here, so I do ask that you give me something in return. I ask that if you are receiving any value, if you're learning something new, if you have a brand new thought or even get new ideas to help you progress forward in your life or in your business, you share this podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, people on the streets, your audience on social media. Look, my goal is simple. It's to influence 1 million people to invest in themselves and unlock their own potential. So today, my guest is J.B. Bovedin, and he's the number one real estate coach in Long Island. Look, his clients have done over $200 million in sales, and he's planning to expand his reach nationwide. Listen all the way through to the end of this episode so that you can capture all of the gems that he drops. And be on the lookout for JB's show. It's on YouTube. It's called Hot Rides and Real Estate. There he interviews the number one professionals in the real estate market here in New York in amazing vehicles. It's insane. He takes them out in Lamborghinis, Ferraris, Porsches, Rolls Royces. It's an amazing show, high production quality. For this episode, guys, I really... I really, really, really recommend that you have a pen and paper ready and you take notes. With that, let's get started. Hey, what's going on, everybody? So we're here for another episode of Into the Mind. I'm your host, Marlon Johnson. And today we are hanging out with my guest, JB Bolvedin. And I'm super excited about this because normally you all know I know my guests really well. I usually have a long-lasting relationship with them. However, today is actually my first day meeting JB in person. He's local here to Long Island. He's doing a lot of amazing things. He's teaching real estate to, he's teaching sales and training to real estate agents across the country. He hosted the Long Island Real Estate Revolution which was a massive turnout, over 9,000 people virtually during the entire pandemic. And right now he's hosting an amazing show on YouTube, Hot Rides and Real Estate, which we're definitely gonna talk about today. Yeah, yeah. Because I started watching it on YouTube and I'm absolutely, I'm in love, it's fun. Thank you. It's amazing. Um, But you know, essentially we got connected through the handsome home buyer. Charles reached out to me and told me, hey, you need to have JB on the show. So I picked up the phone, gave you a call. Immediately I felt the good energy. I've been talking to him for the last 30 minutes or so. And I'm learning that he really does care about people. He's looking to build people. This entire office, you could see it's all about growing his tribe, growing his individuals. So I'm excited to learn a little bit more about who you are today where you've been and what you're looking to do going forward. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming by. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. You're we're in his studio today. That's so awesome. Like the guy lets me have him on my show in his studio, which is amazing. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, it's, 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 it's exciting stuff. Yeah, so JB, I wanna you know, quickly dive in a little bit about your history. You know, I saw that you've been doing sales professionally for the last 16 years. Yeah. Can you tell me how you really like stepped into that space? Like what did that look like when you I guess transitioned into this world? Where were you coming from? And then what did the beginning look like for you? Sure. I mean the the thing about sales is that we all have been in sales our entire lives we just don't know it. Cuz in life you don't get what you deserve, you get what you negotiate. <laughs> so if you notice the friends and family that you have that are good at sales, even if they don't know that they are, they tend to get things going their way in life more than the ones who aren't. So uh, sales, I wish we could convert that word to um, people skills. Mm. That's really what, what it is. Like I'm not in the, for example, my origin in sales, I'm gonna get, get to that in a moment, which is um, in real estate. You know, you're not in the real estate business, you're in the people business. So the more you understand people, the better it is. Uh, so when, when I got into sales originally, I started to work for this marketing company. I was coming from, I was in college, I worked like odd jobs. So I worked in retail and then I worked, uh, I did oil changes at Jiffy Lube, and I did all this <laughs> other stuff, you know. And my first sales job was with this company that, um, with the head is they have retail clients, 
and retail clients like Best Buy or other places, and they represented a certain brand. So I'll give you an example. Uh, Epson printers, are you familiar with them? Yeah. So Epson printers and projectors. Their client was Epson. So when they hired me, that was my first real sales training I got, and uh, they told me you need to go to Best Buys and to meet with management there and have them push our stuff instead of Canon, instead of Kodak, instead of Brother, instead of, um, of HP, uh, Epson. And they said, if we're number three, we'll be happy. So HP is number one, Canon's general number two. If we're, no, if we're number three as Epson, we're good. So uh, they gave really good sales training uh, at the time. And uh, I exceeded those goals by 270%. We were number wow. one my entire time. There. Wow. You know, one time uh, I had, you know, management sold even displays. There was just nothing left in the stores. So <clears throat> I, I found a lot of pride in it because I learned a lot about sales and aspects. So I said, okay, when I finished college, they were like, you can become an area manager and go to corporate like work your way up. So I was super excited about that. I love the company. Uh, I still have Epson printers to this day. Nice, yeah, <laughs> so, you're loyal, bro. Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> except in the office, unfortunately, because I don't know, uh, I don't think they make laser, really. So uh, what started to happen was is that I got really excited, started to progress, do well, and I said, okay, all I gotta do is finish college, and then I'm going to corporate, I'm gonna be area manager, and this is what I'm gonna do. And they're based in California, so I'll probably end up living in Los Angeles at some point, whatever it might be. And uh, we got an email one night and it said, hey, we, won't do, we need to do a conference call tomorrow at 9 p.m. And I saw in the email it was New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, like, every, like this whole East Coast region has to be on this conference call at 9 p.m. Wow. So I'm like, what the, heck, what the heck is this about? So when we get on the call, they're like, we lost our contract with Epson. So as of tonight, uh, everyone no longer has a job. You're all let go. And, that, and at that moment, like my life just changed because I was like, I'm gonna go into, I'm gonna do corporate and work for corporate with this. Um, and I was really upset about it. And then all of a sudden someone else jumped on a conference call late and they're like, what just happened? Now I have to get fired again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, you know, I was going to college and I really didn't, didn't enjoy it really too much. Um, and I remember I walked out of a class because I was just so frustrated because, you know, when you're 17 years old and 18 years old and you got to tell someone when you've lived as a child basically your entire life someone else telling you what you should do then they ask you hey what do you want to do for the rest of your life how are you supposed to come up with an answer yeah. you never had to make a decision for yourself like that wow. yeah you haven't worked in the working world most likely you haven't even loved it you don't even know what family dynamic is you don't really understand a lot of things and you're being asked what do you want to do for the rest of your life so it's very difficult to answer that question so as I'm sitting in this college class and I'm like frustrated because I don't like the class I'm in, but it's not because it's a bad class, it's because I don't wanna do that for the rest of my life. I, I don't even know why I'm there. So I walk out. And uh, when I walk out, I start to draw like these squares with a timeline of where I'm gonna be out of my life. And then for some reason, it was like do real estate, become a real estate agent. Wow. So um, when, when I saw a real estate company was hiring, I went there and applied. I didn't know that you know, you're an independent contractor. I didn't know that it was not a salaried position. <laughs> yeah. So when I went there, we had a good interview and she's like, that's great, okay, give me your credit card. And I'm like, for what? Like, yeah, you gotta pay for the exam and then pay for this and pay for oh, that. Yeah. So um, I was excited because I, the sales background I came from, I was good at what I did, the training was excellent. So I said, if they give me the same level of training, I mean, I'm gonna kill it. That's what I'm thinking in my head. And I'm watching like, you know, these TV shows about these real estate agents just killing it. <laughs> so I come in and they give me this book and um, they're like, all right, you're gonna cold call. I'm like, okay, what? So you want me to like call people? They're like, yeah, these are expired listings. These are people that were listed at one point and now the listing has expired, so they're available. I'm like, okay, cool. So I call and I'm thinking like, I'm gonna call some real estate agent and then they're gonna be like, oh, you know, hey, come on over. And my first ever cold call, I got like cursed out, the guy's oh, screaming. Yeah. He's trying to hang up, he's like banging on the phone, he can't even hang it up, so I'm hearing him like bang. So it really like roughed me up and there was no training or guidance. That was the hardest part. Like so, um, the first two, three years I struggled in it. And what I started to do was reverse engineer. I didn't know that there was like a coach you could get. I didn't even know that there were books on this. I didn't know that there was opportunity. So I kind of started to map everything out, figure it out the hard way and uh, Slowly, I started to really grow my business and, and bring it up to a fast level. And uh, organically, I wasn't seeking it, but the company I was at asked me to start training people. Wow. Yeah, and uh, when I started training people, they started to do well. And uh, it, it, was, it was really exciting because I remember the first, one of the first two girls I ever recruited and trained, they came from, um, one was administrative for a company that supplies like um, clothing. 
and another one uh, worked in retail. And I remember when they came, they were like, they're like, hey, can I be a secretary? Maybe start with a base salary, then work my way up to like, you know, real real stage. And I said, no, you just gotta come and do this. And what really makes me excited is, is that both of them were able to leave their jobs. Nice. Work full time in real estate. Then they were able to buy houses and do the things that they wanted to do. Based off that training at that moment, I realized there's something there. Yeah, you had, like, you had a gift. I mean, that's amazing that you were able to kind of step into the space, get yourself self-educated because a lot of people are waiting for that hand-holding. Yeah. They kind of expect someone's gonna come and do the work for them. Yeah. And essentially, it doesn't matter what anyone promises you, at the end of the day, you still have to take it upon yourself if you wanna get there to do it. So you came in there, you got yourself educated in the space, and they recognized that, like, hey, this JB guy, like, he's a, he's kind of doing our job for us. Like. Yeah. Let's uh, get him teaching these new people. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. So it started to grow, and then I, I moved to another company, and they had about 500 agents, and they were trying to put a coaching program together for the last 10 years, and it fall apart every month. So when they asked me to, to take charge of it, basically uh, I was responsible, that program was responsible for 20% of their entire revenue. And to this day, it still stands after I created it uh, because it was something that, was, that had to be put together. This is the way I look at teaching someone something or education in general. It's funny, I have a really good friend of mine and we were talking about education and she's, uh, she's Ivy League educated, very, very smart person. Uh, not only a friend, coaching client of mine um, too. And we were talking about quality of education. So when you talk to someone who went to like Harvard or Columbia or Yale or Princeton, uh, you'll ask them, how was it? And they'll always tell you the same thing. It was difficult, a lot of work. And then I wondered something, hmm. <laughs> if a good education is good, Shouldn't a good education mean that you can take something extremely complicated and simplify it where someone can learn it very easily? Wouldn't that be the definition of a good education? <sighs> You're speaking my language now. You're really, because this is something I, I love this, I preach it, and when someone says, oh, no, 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 that's complicated, like that's too advanced, what I hear is, you don't understand it well enough yet. Right. If you're telling somebody else that it's too advanced, that means you don't understand it because you should be able to break information down so much so, so that a five-year-old can understand it. That's right, yeah. If you can't get to that point, you still need to understand the information yourself. So I'm right there with you. For sure. Yeah, and, and that concept goes into sales even more than you think about it too because most people don't actually say when they don't understand. So salespeople in a sales cycle make the, uh, mistake of using words, terminologies that the prospect doesn't understand. Mm -hmm. And uh, they don't realize that part of a sales process is being a very good educator, where they understand everything. Because if you notice, when you're able to empower someone with knowledge, there's a lot of trust there. Because you're giving someone something that's irrevocable. They'll have it forever. So if you know how to do that, not just like learn well, but teach well, you become very good at sales. And this is why uh, retired school teachers uh, tend to do well um, as, wow. as, as um, as salespeople, also people that have worked with people with special needs. When you're working with people with special needs, it requires a lot of patience, understanding, and explanation. So when you're working with someone that has a better cognitive ability, and you have that same level of patience, that person feels very appreciated, they feel empathy, and they know that that person understands and can explain well, and then they can work with them very well. You're like, you're dropping me into like a middle of a master class right now. I'm like listening to you, I'm like, man, this guy, he's spot on, you really know what you're talking about. Because that's what it is. Sales is people. Yeah. Sales business is people. Totally. So being able to speak to them, communicate with them, transfer that knowledge, like you said, that's what builds the trust. I think so many individuals, especially when they step into the space of sales, they're so focused on the product or they're focused on the price or they're focused on their pitch or their script. Yeah. And they completely forget about the prospect. They forget about the customer and they forget to give value to them. And what you're saying, hey, if I'm educating them, if I'm giving away all the information and letting them know and letting them make their own honest decision mm -hmm. and I'm fueling them with the equipment they need for it, of course they'll want to, it makes, it's almost counterintuitive, but yes, they're gonna come back to you and wanna work with you because you're the one that truly provided value. You weren't trying to suck out of them. You were giving, you were pouring into them. Sure, yeah, and the thing is that you, you can also help someone come to an understanding or sell them, quote unquote, but you have to look in this way. Um, this thing is not, it's, it's not easy, but it's simple. So I'll give you an example. Why does someone hire a personal trainer when they can do all the workout routines themselves? Because they're saying, this is what I want, but I want someone to push me. Mm. 
I want someone to push me. And in sales, you'll see that too. You'll see your prospect want to do something. And when they're hitting you with your objections, they're looking for uh, a justification to proceed with the transaction. So that's when you got to know like, okay, this is the part where it's my turn to, uh, com- to encourage them to do this, not because I want the sale, it's because I see that they want it. That actually meets their needs, but they're afraid of something. Because most people that aren't sold, like for example, you worry about like, oh, how do I handle an objection? And they always think it's about, a lot of very inexperienced people always think it's about the money. They'll think like, oh, it's the price, it's the price, it's the price. If the guy or the girl's not sold on themselves and their ability to go get the money again, they won't buy. This is why um, people will buy something for $7 very quickly. Because, not because it's cheap, it's because they know they can go get $7 again. But when you're trying to buy something that's $17,000 or $100,000, you're not so sure you can go get it again. So you gotta sell them on their ability to go, go, go get it again. And it's called granting someone beingness. So granting someone beingness is this. You need to treat people the way you want them to act. If you treat someone like they're intelligent, they'll act intelligent. If you treat someone like they're stupid, they'll act stupid. Not because they're being manipulated or brainwashed, it's just if you notice if someone's looking at you with low expectations, you tend to perform less than someone was actually granting you beingness of an intelligent person. So you have to speak to someone as if they're already in abundance so they know that their ability to create again is there. That's why you don't use the word budget. Budget's very restrictive. And when you think about it, budget is not even a budget. Because think about it. If I call you about a product that you were not thinking about, but that could be useful to you, let's say, um, are you in the market right now for a surveillance camera? No. No. Does that mean that you wouldn't buy one if a good opportunity came up or if someone could show you a way that it could work out for you? Then I mean, if the opportunity came up, right. yeah. So it's not like you're not going to buy one, you're just not in the market for one, right? Right. Which means that there's no way you've budgeted money to buy a surveillance camera, right? <laughs> so if we're talking about budget, that's a no-go right there. So until you actually have an understanding on it, a budget is, or budgets are created for things after you find out about them. So if you start thinking about budgets with people, it doesn't work well because most of the time you weren't even a thought or your product wasn't a thought. So of course it's going to be over budget because they've never budgeted the money for that in the first place. Right, that makes, that's spot on. Yeah, so what you need to do is when you show someone something of value is you have to show them, for example, how this benefits them, that what problem does it solve, and two, um, you have to look at it from the cost perspective of when, when someone really is worried about money, can that money destroy them? Like if, if, you, if I was going to, if, if you were going to, like let's say for example, we found out that you have something very valuable in front of your house that you want guarded, so I want to sell you this surveillance camera. That surveillance camera is $300. Well, we, we just have to look at it. Okay, can $300 ruin you? Will you go bankrupt? Will you be on the street? Will $300 ruin you? No. Okay, good. We have that understanding. What about that thing you're protecting? If that thing gets stolen or damaged, can that destroy you or hurt you? Potentially. A lot more. Okay, great. So then in that case, we have to look at what's the greater good, and then that's how you move a sales cycle. I'm giving you like very like tidbits of pieces, right? But to to walk you through it is is that you have to be a good listener, and you also have to explain to people like why it's a good idea. And if it's not a good fit, don't sell it to them. That's all. Well, you know, and this makes sense now. This your statement earlier about why sales is people, yeah, right, and it's communication more so because what you just said, being a good listener. A lot of folks, when they're communicating, I've seen this with, uh, so I, do, I don't do a sales program or anything like that. I do sales training with my buddies. Right. I have us all sit down 6 a.m. every morning from 6 to 7 or 6 to 8 a.m. Every single morning we get on and we role play. Right? And what I'll find is when they're getting started, when they're new, what they do a lot of the times is they're waiting for you to stop talking so they can start selling again, mm-hmm. so they can start coming in. But they're not actually listening that's and right. You're saying, hey, no, like, I'm going to listen to you. You're telling me about this treasure in the yard. Okay, that's important to you. My camera is not important to you, but that treasure is important to you. So what if I tell you now, now that I know that's important to you, I can let you know that my camera could help you protect that thing that's important to you. So exactly. what's more important to you, $300 or that thing over there? Trade the $300, get this, and that's going to protect that. That makes a lot of sense. Right, it's a lot easier to make that, make that decision. And you always have to come from agreement because when you don't acknowledge someone, um, there's a difference between someone letting you speak and then listening to you. And a lot of people are just basically, as salespeople, like you said, they're waiting for their opportunity to sell again. They're not even listening anymore. They're just waiting for that moment to jump back in. And then because you've, you've actually created a cadence in the conversation that way, where that, that's what, how the, things are gonna go, that person's doing the same thing. They have their objection lined up is waiting for you to stop trying to sell so I can hit you with that. So you have this ridge instead of flow in communication, which is, which is poor. It's not, salespeople really, they run the planet. 
By that I mean is that every good product you can think of, every good service, every even life-saving things that have been invented, someone had to go out and bring it to the marketplace and sell it. And I think where people start to feel like, I don't want to sound salesy or I don't like sales or I don't want to be a salesman, they think that's a liar. A liar is a liar. I agree. Okay? They come in suit and ties as politicians, they come as doctors, they come as lawyers, right? They come as salespeople. Uh, they even come as religious leaders. Like we've seen a liar or someone who's done bad things or taking advantage of people in every position. So of course we're gonna see them in sales too. Uh, but what's important to realize is as long as your ethics are in, you have to realize that person's gonna go out there and buy it anyway. They should buy it from you because you are honest and you are the right person. And it's your duty as a salesperson to go out there and make sure that they buy from you because they're gonna spend the money anyway. They might as well get it from the best and get the best product and service in the, in the, in the first place. I love that. So I think you would actually agree with this statement. Uh, I think it was, I heard it from Jim Ron, which is sales is service, mm -hmm. right? And being able to know if I'm selling you something, I believe in it. I truly do know that it's beneficial for you. Right. Therefore, if I truly do in my heart of hearts believe it's good for you, I have permission to push. I have permission to really make sure I'm doing you a disservice if I let you leave here without buying this product that I know will solve your problem. You came to me, you told me you had a problem, you told me this is what you wanted to have solved. I have a product for you. It costs money. I want you to buy this. And something that uh, I'm actually happy we're having this conversation. I didn't mean to dive so deeply into sales, yeah. but uh, I actually am happy we're having this conversation because a lot of people do need to break that mindset they have with sales and understand that there's something to be said about getting somebody to exchange value, right? Getting sure. somebody to give you the money for the product. Because sometimes people will say, well, why don't you just give it to me for free? You won't value it the same if you receive it for free. When you hand over something in exchange and you create that transaction, you now associate, you associate the value to the product. Yeah. It doesn't matter how valuable I think the product is, it doesn't matter how valuable you think the product is, it matters how valuable the customer thinks the product is. Because ultimately, they're the ones that need to utilize it, value it, and extract that value for themselves. Right. They might stop short of extracting the value if you just hand it over to them. Sure, I mean, but the thing is, we have to look at it too, is like what, when we talk about money, uh, this is why a lot of people have financial issues, because the thing about money is, is that we're kind of looking at to always preserve it. And uh, when you look at any economy, no matter how rough it's ever gotten, there's never been a shortage of money. There's never been a shortage of money in the history of the world because it's made up. They say money doesn't grow on trees, but there's more, <laughs> there's more cash in circulation than leaves on trees at this point. So wh wh why am I saying this? It's, it's very simple. When you think about money, you start to negate the fact, like let's figure out what is money. Money used to be based off of the gold standard and silver standard, which means that we used to take out a $20 bill or a $100 bill or whatever, it would say, this bill is uh, redeemable for X amount of ounces of silver at the US Mint. So that stopped. Now it's based off of you know, the Federal Reserve and to not go into a long history, thing, but the Federal <laughs> Reserve is, is, a, is a private bank. Right. It's not, it's not owned by the government. And then they issue the money as debt to the US government who then circulates it. Uh, so if you look at a dollar bill, anyone watching or listening at home, you can pull out any, any bill. And if you'll look on the either bottom left side or bottom right side, depending on what, what denomination note it is, they'll say a few things. Well, this note is legal tender for all debts, public and private. So what that means is one is another thing that we call the mortgage is a note. It's a mm -hmm. debt instrument, it's an IOU, one. Two is, what that means is that this note is legal tender for all, all debts, public and private. Do you know what that means? This debt is legal tender for all notes, public and private. For all debts. This note is legal tender for all debts, public and private. So essentially, this is just uh, an IOU for private entities. Um, close. What, what it really means is that, let's say I lent you 100 bucks or you want to buy something from me for $100. Mm -hmm. You want to give me $100, I'm like, no, Marlon, um, I'll take euro. I'll take gold, but I'm not taking US dollar. The federal government would come to me and say, take the money or go to prison. No way. That's what it means. It means that US dollar, not taking dollar, is a, is a, is a, it will, will enforce it. We'll force you to take it if you don't wow. decide to take it. So a lot of people think like, oh, well, what if people only take credit card? Well, it's coming in as US dollar. It's not coming in as Euro or Bitcoin. So wow. what it means is that you're gonna accept this or we're gonna force you to accept it. So why is this the case? So if money's not connected to silver or gold anymore, it's not based off of anything but like really dead. It's, it's this private bank that like what, what is money then? Like what is it really connected to? And it's connected to something but a lot of people don't realize this. Money is a unit of attention. 
what money is is just attention. So when you get attention, people exchange units of attention, which is dollar amounts, in exchange for that thing. If you need $20 of gas, you have more attention on the gas than you do that $20 bill. So in exchange, you'll give it. Wow. So when you, someone says, give it to me for free, the reason why it doesn't work is because they have no attention on it. So how can you use something you have no attention on? If it's not worth the money in your pocket, you don't have attention for what I'm trying to give you. If you did, you'd give me the money. So even if money had nothing to do with it, the fact that you have no attention on it means you wouldn't use it. So if you don't have someone's attention, they're not gonna wanna give you their money ever. Um, and that's what a lot of people don't realize. That's why they're like, oh, they wanna fly under the radar or they don't wanna get someone's attention or they don't realize that money is a unit of attention. If you want proof, Kylie Jenner is the best example. <clears throat> is she an actress? No. Is she a singer? No. What does she do exactly? Well, we're not sure, but we know this, <laughs> right? Like, think about it. like we've yet to say, what is she? She's a public figure. This is a new thing coming out now. Everyone's yeah. a public figure. No, absolutely right. What, what that means is that I'm very good at getting attention, because I'm very good at getting attention. If you notice, she's a billionaire. She's under 30 years old, because a lot of companies go, wow, she gets a lot of attention. So if we implant or give her a product or service to offer. The fact that she gets all this viewership is a good indicator and that's how money's made. So if you get more attention, you'll get money. So if you have a money problem, you have an attention problem. So if you're there talking to someone, you're trying to hold on to that money because that salesman's gonna take your money, that's not the case. You'll be broke for the rest of your life because you're violating a big rule. You're not getting any attention for yourself, your product or your service, and all you do is have attention on money as if it's gonna like get smaller, but in actuality, the more you try and hold on to it, the less you'll have because that's not the way money works. Money has to be flowed yes. all the time. Um, I got good news and bad news about money. So <laughs> the good news is, is that um, if you look at all the money in your bank account and all the money in your pocket, it's not yours. It's someone else's. All that money is already allocated that you're gonna give to someone or something else. I mean, you really look at it. Most of your money, it's really not yours. You get money, what do you do? You go and you pay bills, it, yeah. you spend it on this, you spend, so that, that, that is, um, you know, that's DoorDash's money, that's your landlord or mortgage company's money, that's your car, that's the bank's money, that's the gas station's money, it's not yours. So all the money in your bank account, in your pocket is not yours. The good news is this, all the other money on the planet is yours. Because they were gonna spend it anyway. You need to have them route it to you. Like if I was gonna buy if I was gonna buy, like for example, uh, internet service, I was gonna spend that money anyway, why not spend it on this one instead? Uh, someone wants to pay for coaching or consulting, they were gonna spend it anyway, why not for your product or service? And this is why you need to get attention because you could be better, but it doesn't go to the best, it goes to the best known. Yeah, you know? that's true. That's why Microsoft beat Apple in, um, in getting their, their software out there beforehand because um, Steve Jobs was obsessed with being the best and he's done a very good job at that, and I can't say he was a failure at all, he's very successful, and so is Apple. Um, but Bill Gates was more, more, more concerned with being the best known, and he said, we'll perfect it after it goes out there. As you can see, uh, there's definitely good points for both, but we know that when you walk into an office, into a store, into someone's house, most likely there's a lot more PCs being used than Mac to this day. Absolutely right. So I mean, even we see that with books, right? Like that's one of the things we see out there all the time. Some of these books that are bestsellers aren't necessarily the most, uh, not the greatest book to touch planet Earth, right? But they are the best sold. Exactly, they're the ones that got the most attention, like you said. For sure. So that's spot on. I really, um, that was gems. I mean, you just dropped a lot of gems. I mean, for myself, I'm just like, wow. Like, cut the camera off. Like, let's just sit and talk. <laughs> that was really, it's really cool because essentially, as well. Something that you said with Microsoft and, PC, um, and Apple, really taking it there to a lot of folks, you know, like you said, Steve Jobs, he was focused on, I want to be the best, period. Like, I want to make the perfect product, yeah. right? And essentially, a lot of people have that in their mind, right? Yeah. I want to start a business, but I need to make sure it's perfect first. I want to create a video, but it needs to be perfect. There's so many things they want to do that they want to have perfect. Before I sell you that product, I need to make sure it's perfect. Guess what? If things were perfect, you would have had the iPhone, what are we at, 12, 13? You yeah. would have had that 10 years ago. They released an unfinished product. How do we know? Because we went through iPhone 1, 2, 3, 4. Those products weren't finished. They had more work that needed to be done, but they sold them anyway. Yeah. So I like that. I like that a lot. I think it's uh, really valuable. So yeah. before we dive deeper, I mean, because I could talk about that stuff for hours. You're like, yeah. you piqued my interest, especially with the whole money thing. I think after the cameras cut off, we're gonna have a conversation about the Federal Reserve. Sure. Um, but essentially, 
you're now doing a few things, right? You, so you're teaching, um, you're coaching. I want to ask you, first off, how did you figure out that was your, like, your, your superpower, for lack of better terms? Uh, you know, it's, it's crazy. The, the coaching segment is interesting because um, I don't like the, the word coach because now everyone's a coach when you go online. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, what, what I realized is, is that essentially a lot of people don't realize this. I didn't want to get into this because of the fact that I thought that like this is a good money opportunity. I enjoyed it out of the most out of everything else I did. Um, and before I opened up this company, as far as like real estate, I mean, it was it was going very well. The income was there. I had a I had a pretty I had a very solid team. We did 41 transactions. Um, I only had to get involved in three or four. You know, I spent three months straight in LA while everything was being built out. My my income was 13 times what my expenses are at the time. And then when I created this company, I had to go back to leveling off to zero, which a lot of people are like afraid to do. And the reason why mm. I did that is because I, whenever I try to create something, it ends up not being selfish, but I think about it like this. If I had this, where would I be right now? If I was able to walk into a place and get certain training and have a certain group, if I was able to get this type of mentorship, where would I be today? Because I realize education is just a time machine. You're going to figure it out anyway. But instead of it taking 10 years, you could be there in like a month or two, maybe yeah. one year. So that's why I created it because I wanted to, I had this thing where I wanted to create a million millionaires. And the reason why is because uh, I believe when people are good, they tend to do good things with money. So like, I don't believe money changes people. I think it just makes a jerk worse, but I think it makes a good person better. So what I want to do is create a new world. And here's what I mean by new world, not a new world order, right? <laughs> So here's what I mean by that. Um hey guys, sorry about this part right here. For some reason, the camera cut off while we were recording. JB was just getting ready to tell you how he looks at starting a new world and what that really means for himself and his family going forward into the future. When most people start becoming very successful at what they do, what will happen is, is that um, I'll be able to, my kids will be able to go anywhere on the planet and have a friend there because of the things that I was able to do, plant those seeds. So I wanted to create an environment where people would do really well, stick together, um, help each other, help the people around them, pay it forward, make the world a better place. And to be honest with you, we can't do it without making money. So that's why I wanted to do this. Like I wanted to do it because I didn't want people to get confused and frustrated, you know, lose their marriage over finance, which is so silly when you have such a great you know, relationship. I don't want that to create issues for other things. You know, I figured if people's finances are doing well, their education gets better, crime rate goes down, marriages are better, health is better. So my best contribution with the skills that I had to make the biggest difference was this. That's what I wanted to do. Wow, that's amazing. That's insane because one, listening to you and just even sitting here right now with you, you are an amazing teacher. You're an amazing communicator. You Thank passed you. information to me, you built a bridge and then you pass the information over that bridge seamlessly. So I'm like, yes, this guy needs to be in front of more people. You really do need to be in front of more people because a lot of people go into the space to educate and they're not good communicators yet and they don't know how to pass the information. They know how to utilize the information and that doesn't necessarily qualify you to teach the information. Right. And you've gotten yourself to that point where you recognize like, hey, no, I can do this and I'm able to help people. And you see, if I help more people, they can go out and they can further this mission because you're lear you've learned what I'm learning for myself now. You can't do it alone. Yeah. It's impossible to do it alone. You could only go but so far. Right. And recognizing that money doesn't change, it amplifies. Exactly. So I love that you say that because that's going to help a lot of people change that mindset behind the money. Money is the root of all evil. That's the concept we were brought up with, or at least mm -hmm. I know for myself, I was taught yeah. that you look at the bad guy in the movie. Who is he? He's the big round belly with the monocle and he has a billion dollars. So the billionaires are the bad people. The millionaires are the bad people. Right. I meet millionaires and I don't think I've met any billionaires yet, but I've met plenty of millionaires, amazing individuals. And I think we're gonna be taking a one minute break soon to swap out the batteries, but essentially we have to change that dynamic because if people are, if they really wanna do good, and they're afraid to get money and they're afraid to make money and afraid to sell so that they can grow themselves, they're effectively capping how much good they can do. So I'm happy to hear somebody like yourself that's in a position where you can do good, 
that you're saying you need this, this needs to be a part of the game plan. So when we get back, actually, I'm gonna talk about something because you, you know, recently had your event, which was the Long Island um, real estate revolution. And I noticed when I was watching a promo video for it, you actually took some of the funds, you took some of the proceeds and you sent it out to a charity for the leukemia. So I yeah, wanna talk so about that. Sure, yeah, sounds good. Awesome. Okay guys, so we are back. Just had to take a quick break to get some fresh batteries. Hopefully you're still getting a ton of value. Seriously, I don't ever do this in the middle of an episode, but at this point, if you've gotten any value, if you've had any new thought, any new idea, or you now see a new way of doing something, I want you to share this. Share it with a friend, tag us in it, you're gonna find me, you already know what my Instagram handle is, it's Mindset Marlin. You're gonna find JB, JB, what's that? At JB Bulbadin. At JB Bulbadin. So, and that's gonna be in the comments below, in the uh, description below. But tag us, share us, let's start a communication, let us know what your biggest takeaway has been so far, because we've got a lot more to cover. So, we're just quickly talking about the Long Island real estate revolution, and you're getting ready to, you've been letting me know that actually, that was uh, spearheaded by Charles and then you helped yeah. out on the marketing so, end. So there was something called man of the year mm -hmm. and what man of the year is is this competition between other people in the business space and they're competing to raise the most money for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. So Charles was uh, Charles uh, at, at Handsome Home Buyer. You guys need to follow him. He's, he's, he's amazing. hilarious. Great you guys already seen him. He was on episode I think episode seven. So uh, definitely go check that episode out if you haven't seen it yet. I love him. Dude. That guy's like a brother. So um, Charles, at the time, that's actually, we knew of each other. We never really connected at the time, and, I, and he was building his team. So what Man of the Year is they built together this team, and this team puts together a project, fundraiser, whatever it might be to help raise money. So I reached out to him, and uh, yeah, he, was, he very warmly accepted you know, my offer. We got together, and I said, you know, we started to discuss how do we make this thing big. So we, we rented out the Tilla Center. And it, it had a capacity of about 2,500 people, and we we're going to sell out a live conference, all-day conference event, and uh, it was going to be the largest in Long Island's history for real estate, uh, called the Long Island Real Estate Revolution. And then COVID broke out, <laughs> and they canceled, you know, all this and every social distancing became required. So in about a week time, um, yeah, about one week it took, we moved it to online instead. And uh, in that one week, you know, we got 9,000 people on the... I saw that, it was yeah. insane. I went on, uh, I actually went on YouTube last night because the guys, they put the entire course on YouTube, the entire conference on YouTube, yeah. by the way, which is insane. Like that amount of value on YouTube for free, it's nine plus hours of just amazing guests, especially if you're here on Long Island, these are the people you need to be listening to. Yeah, you know, the, yeah. take a quick side note, you all know about me and my journey into real estate and being here on Long Island, being in New York. This market is the freakiest, weirdest thing that doesn't make any sense. All the gurus out there, none of their advice necessarily works here. I'm just gonna be completely upfront and honest about that. It's just, it doesn't work in this strange little space. Right. And then we have individuals like you and Charles that are actually making it work. Billy Alvera, different guys that make awesome, it work yeah and they've been doing it here, and they can teach you the nuance of this particular market. So if you live in Long Island, you need to be following these guys. You have to check it out. You're gonna get more value than anywhere else because no one else knows your market like they do. Yeah, it's, 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 it, they're all great guys. And you know what, the one thing I love about the team too is aside from, because Billy was on that team also. So you mentioned Billy Alvaro, he was on that team. Uh, there was a lot of great. Brian Carp was on that team. Yep, uh, he, he helped participate in that uh, in the in the live event too. So, uh, the, the most interesting thing about all of this is that all these people. These are just a few names. There's a lot of other people in Long Island. There's this like group of guys that are heavy hitters and everything. So, I say this, you know, with all hum with being humble. But I'll give you an example. Like Billy's. So I'll talk about like the, the names I just mentioned. Uh, Billy is probably one of the most systemized, best marketers in the real estate investment space. One, one of the best wholesaling operations, plus he invests in a lot of other stuff too. Charles Weinraub is hands, hands down the number one fix and flip investor on Long Island. Very intelligent, very high energy, uh, just a great guy. Uh, Brian Carp, he sold 205 houses last year. The guy, and that's not a one year thing, he sells over 100 homes every single year by himself. And then me, 
I, I run the largest uh, real estate sales training company, a sales training company on the East Coast. And uh, I can tell you right now, like when it comes to these names I mentioned, in that space, when it comes to what they do, they're the best. In the training space, I'm the best. So all these guys all got together. They all happen to be in the same geographic region and they all happen to be very accessible to a certain extent. <laughs> so I think living in Long Island is really a blessing because you know we're not like, like someone messages us, we get back to them. You know what I mean? If someone wants to meet with us, depending on who it is, like who it is and when it is, that doesn't mean we're selected when I say who it is, it doesn't. <laughs> it, just, it just means that like what I'm saying is, is that like we, we, we can arrange that. And uh, these, these people are, uh, it's incredible that everyone got into one kind of sphere here, one ecosystem to bring the real estate revolution about. And it was, it was really valuable at a really uncertain time. And it's something I'm very proud of because that right there spearheaded a lot of other projects, including uh, Hot Rides in Real Estate. Uh, I think it changed the way, I know it changed uh, Charles and I specifically, our minds a lot when it comes to like media, what we can really do, um, how we can get there and making those projects. And, we got a lot of good feedback about it. And it's really cool when you go out somewhere and you haven't had the privilege of meeting someone yet, but they know you. It's, oh yeah. man. And then you get to, you get connects you to more people. And I think uh, if you're thinking about creating something online, don't do it to be famous, do it like this. Um, an airport has a lot of terminals, right? So everyone is trying to constantly build terminals and find terminals. That's a lot of work. If you just built an airport, all the terminals would want to set up at your airport. So that's called a comm line. A communication line is something that's the airport, and everyone wants to take their terminal link up to you. Having a podcast, a show, uh, is, a, is, a, is a comm line, and people create terminals and add on to it. How else could we have met? You and I. It's right? true. So um, one of the best pieces of advice I ever heard, and I'll tell you who told to me, Grant Cardone told me this. He said, dude, you're not going to meet anyone that you want in your life until you build something worth them coming to. Everyone and everything you're trying to meet, you'll never get it until you build something worth them coming to. And I took that and I created this and um, I love what you're doing and I think a lot of people should do it too because it's brought me in connection with a lot of people that would have never happened if I didn't do it. So if you think about not creating content or if you're worried about it, uh, I would tell you you're making a terrible mistake. You'll regret for the rest of your life if you don't. <laughs> don't. Don't worry about being interesting. Don't worry about being funny. Don't worry about being witty. Just know the fact that when people know who you are and know you exist, whether they like you or not is not relevant. What's most important is they know you exist now, which you now have a platform to work off of. Wow, there's so many layers right there. You just hit on so many different things. Like honestly, guys, go back, rewatch that, listen to it 10 times because yes, building a platform for people to come to you, being that terminal, key. Like you said, you and I are connected today because of that podcast. Right. I connected to Charles because of the podcast, Charles connected me to you because of the podcast, and ultimately I know, I don't know who it's gonna lead to next, but I know it's gonna lead to somebody after this. Yeah. I just, I know, because now that terminal is open. People are gonna fly through. And then what you said where people are thinking about doing it and they haven't done it yet, guys, we just said earlier, you have to release unfinished products. It's not going to be perfect. The podcast that we're recording here today, 10 years from now, I'm gonna look back and be like, oh my gosh, that was so terrible in comparison to what I'm doing now. But I'm starting, you're starting, JB started. You need to get that process moving. You need to make it happen because it will attract the right people Absolutely. towards you. Absolutely. I like that. Like that's especially coming from someone like Grant Cardone who's yeah. living that message right now, flooding the space with your presence. And then this is something that um this is actually why you stood out to me so much so. You know, even as I was watching Hot Rides and Real Estate, which we're going to talk about in just a bit, you were so authentic and genuine and it was you. You know when you're watching something and you can tell somebody's acting or yeah. they're creating a persona and sometimes right. that's an actor. They are creating a persona and they'll admit and they give that persona a brand new name and great. But some people try to make that persona appear to be them. Some people try to pass off as the facade. And that wasn't you. You came on and you were 100% I was like, no, this guy is, didn't matter who the guest was, you were the same, you were you. And then the guest you brought on they were themselves, right. you know, and I was like, wow, like somebody is really out here putting out the real. Somebody is truly sharing because the space needs it. The next generation of people need it. There's so much content out there and a lot of it is, it's still 
for lack of better terms, in my opinion, it's garbage, right? Because it's not giving people true value. It's causing them to uh, build false images of what reality and life can be. Yeah, it creates confusion. Right. And conf confusion creates stupidity. So, you know, you got to be careful what you're, what, you know, people talk about diet a lot. And uh, I think, you know, obviously what you eat is very important, but the mental diet's neglected a lot. And, uh, you know, the confusion is the root of stupidity. So when you start to see that, like, for example, you'll see someone on social media, they know the other person personally. They know that what they're seeing on social media is not who they are, and they still get annoyed or depressed or, or jealous or whatever because that persona looks better. So there's a way to, to kind of, like, fix this, right? So you can't sit here and be like the authenticity police. <laughs> you know, like, this is bullshit, that's not, this works, that doesn't. The way to look at it is like this. Social media is just like any other television station or channel. It's entertainment-based. So if someone's going to go on Instagram, you're like, well, I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to show that, like, every day I go for a run. Runners may relate to that. Everyone else may find it boring. Now, what I'm saying is, is that when you look at something that, when you say, okay, what I'm going to do instead is, I'm gonna build up something that people wanna see while maintaining authenticity. That works a lot better because you're not gonna get a following being so authentic to the core where you realize that you're, you're an entertainer. You're entertainment space. As soon as you decide I'm gonna use my Instagram to get followers or to sell a product or to get any attention, you've, you've gotten to entertainment space. You have your own channel. You have a Instagram channel, you have a YouTube channel, you have a Facebook channel, you have a Twitter channel. No matter what you wanna call it, these are channels on TV stations. That's the way you gotta look at it. What programs do you have? What are you offering? And if you were to look at it like that, now when you're watching it, you're not like, oh, this is confusing, or oh, this is not authentic. You're just like, okay, this is his channel. This is, the, this, is what, this, is what he's, this is what he's pitching. This is what his program is. Whether you like it or not, that's another story. The fake, I mean, I'll give you an example. Like everyone, on Instagram, everyone's rich. <laughs> everyone's in love. Everyone's gorgeous, right? Everyone's happy. Um, and everyone's just doing so well. And I hope one day that that becomes the real world, but instead of maybe uh, someone looking at it and feeling intimidated by it, angry at it, or frustrated with it, what I would say is that that's the channel. That's what, the, when, you, when you log into Instagram, that's what this programming is about. You don't get mad that HGTV shows houses. Mm. You don't get mad that CNN shows news. Wow. Right, so don't get mad at Instagram for showing that because that's what people are there for. Wow, that's... That's powerful. Yeah, so that, that's the way I would look at it. So then say, okay, do I want to participate in this or not? If you do, enjoy it. Have fun. Create your content too. Have fun with it. No one can call you fake because Instagram is Lala land. So create some Lala. Oh, man. You know? Oh, man. I like That's big. Yeah. That's really, I think that's going to be game changer for a lot of people right there. Yeah. I know I'm already taking, I'm thinking about like, okay, cool. Like I just figured out 20 new things. So again, guys, if you're getting value here, like go find him. Like he's gonna be pumping out value all day long, especially, so now, speaking about Instagram and YouTube, you have hot rides and real estate. Yeah. And what I love about it is how attention grabbing it is, right? So yeah, you play the game enough to get people in, then when they're in, you're still providing them with value. Yeah. You're really giving them value. So that's what I love to see because people will pull you in and then when you get there, you're not really getting anything. It's, not doing anything for you. Your life isn't getting better for having had watched it. Totally. With your content, I get pulled in and it's like, oh, great. There are some amazing people on here. And now I'm hearing their story and, okay, awesome. Yeah, like you're selling it with the, the kind of the flash, the attention grabbing headlines and the pictures and the cars. So how did that get started? So that, that's a great question. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to, you know, we understand what the channel was, right? Well, people want to see what they want to watch. Um, all the vehicles in the show, if you notice, I never claimed that they were mine. In I, fact, we I give, caught on to that after yeah. some point. I was like, huh. Yeah, I never claimed that they were mine. In fact, we give credit in the ending credits of who supplied the vehicle, what company, and, and, and everything else. So Hot Rides and Real Estate was designed with actually two guests in mind. Uh, it's an interview where we do a podcast, except on the go, and we grab a top performer, uh, someone who's very good in the real estate industry at one segment, and we also pick them up in a top performing car. So, for example, episode one was Charles. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so, he's number one fix and flip real estate investor. And then uh, we grabbed one of the best track cars, best sports cars ever made, Porsche 911 GT3 RS. Went for an interview with that. <clears throat> then we did uh, Dan O'Neill. You know, that's a great guy to follow, too. Dan is, uh, he's been in the real estate industry for less than three years, 26 years old. 
I believe he sold over 160 houses. He had 57 under contract at the time I interviewed him. Not in his life, at that time. And in a very short amount of time, at a very young age, he's been able to put together a system that works. Um, and then from then on, I mean, we had so many good guests. I mean, I could just go down a list. We were already at episode eight, Marco. We did eight. Yeah, so we did eight episodes. We have one more, and then we're going to wrap up season one. Um, and the, the concept of the show was to create uh, an effect that people want to see it, enjoy it, make it entertaining, but educational, edutainment, per se. I love it. Um, and that's what we did with the show. Uh, season one, I promised myself, uh, no one asked me to do this, no one criticized it, but I decided in the season one, you'll notice I don't sell anything. I don't even put an ad. My, my company's paying for all the production, doing everything, and there's not really a shout out to my own company in, in this show. And uh, the reason that is, is, is very simple. Uh, the whole purpose of the show wasn't to sell anything. It was to get out of obscurity with people for them to know that they have information and a friend. Um, and that's what we wanted to do. And uh, I, I'm, I'm proud of it because uh, they, the budget wasn't there to do it. Um, I'm sure you realize that rolling with a camera crew in Ferraris and Lamborghinis <laughs> and all this other stuff, it's not cheap. It adds up it's, real it's, quick. It's not cheap at all per episode. It's, uh, it's, it's a very expensive project. Per episode usually is more than what the average real estate agent spends per year marketing which is not bragging, it's kind of sad for the real estate agent. Uh, but what I'm saying is it's not cheap. And I'm not bragging or complaining. What I'm telling you is, is that this is something no one said that they wanted, uh, that we did. Someone came to me and get, pitched me the idea of it. I liked it. Um, he's actually a co-producer on the show now. And um, I ran with it. And when we ran with it, we just did it. And uh, it's something that we did about 11 days later, or nine days later, I forgot. Like, idea, and then nine days later we did it. Um, and that's, that's kind of like something that started to roll. And now it was able to connect me and work with a lot of people that were my friends, also new people. And it became literally the best show in, in the real estate podcast area, at least, at least in New York and Long Island. Because so far I'm looking at every guest that's been on the show and then I reverse check them on every other podcast or show they've been on. And the amount of views is significantly more. Oh yeah. Significantly, like one of them had 2,000 views. Their highest was 2,000 on an interview. He's at over 12,000 with us. Yeah. So we accomplished that in five days worth of, worth of time That's on there. That's insane. Yeah, so we have uh, over 65,000 or 70,000 views now for the show. Um, and it was a platform where people can really get out of obscurity for themselves. It was great education because they, they don't hold back. They actually say like what they do, how they do it. Um, you know their handles, where to follow them at. So I like to take the good with the bad because going back to the Instagram thing, yeah, it can be a little like, you know, fake sometimes, but also allows you to connect with people and follow people on a regular that normally you, would, you wouldn't. You'd, have, you'd hope that you bump into them somewhere. So um, Hot Rides in Real Estate was the first stage of many things that we're gonna be doing. We're gonna be doing a network going to next year. It'll be uh, running 24 hours a day, real estate ed edutainment. Wow. Uh, we have another show coming out, uh, two more shows coming out. Uh, one is gonna be where investors are being pitched real estate deals and they're buying in real time or, or partnering real time with them so they can actually see that happen live. Um, another one is that we're finding real estate agents that are struggling in their business and in a short amount of time, redoing everything, making makeovers, marketing, sales training, all of that. So we have that going in and then Hot Rides in Real Estate season two, we'll be going to Los Angeles, Montreal, Miami, Houston, Las Vegas, <laughs> and we're even gonna try and pull up London. So we're, we're looking to really like scale it up. Hot Rides in Real Estate was that first step we, we, it was very, you know, the public was very receptive to it. Um, it was a lot of hard work to do the show. Trust me, it's not easy to do that. Like, there's a very dynamic shots. Right, no, I've seen. Um, you guys do a great job. <clears throat> thank you, thank you. It's, uh, but it's, it's, it's all worth it because what we wanna do is just bring something that other people aren't. And, um, you know, the goal is to really change the way things are done, especially going to next year. It's, we're gonna be very heavy in this space. <clears throat> I love that. I mean, because you're, you're putting in the work, like, and I don't think, enough you don't get I don't think you get enough credit for it so I'm gonna give you credit for it like that's Thank amazing you. because you're doing that back-end work that nobody sees get it, no one sees it get done yeah. they assume the cars are yours they assume that the camera people just manifest themselves out of right. nowhere and they're ready to work and they're ready to edit you know I sat down with Marcos and he was telling me about how much time he's putting in editing that your team is coming together they're learning on the fly as you're coming up with this idea yeah. to make it happen so it wasn't like it was this perfect thing you're gonna keep getting better the production's gonna keep getting better you're gonna keep expanding your already tapping into different markets because I was going to ask you are you going to run out of people eventually like 
there could only be a number one in well, each right, category. Cars too. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> like, next is going to be boats and yeah. planes and all that good stuff. Exactly. But you know, that's really cool that you're putting in that much effort to even just get the people's attention, to then bring them and give them value, real value. Because anybody can teach theory, anybody can do it. But to say, hey, I'm gonna actually show you how these conversations go down. These are real, unscripted conversations. I'm gonna show you someone's business who's been struggling for the last seven years, and we're gonna show you that transformation step by step. So you're not just gonna be listening and looking at a before and after picture and hearing about the success story. You're gonna see the whole way through. Right. And that's, people need that. People need it more, they might not even know they need it but they need it, you recognize that need, and you're providing it to them. So thank you for that, that's a service. Yes, yeah, my pleasure. That's really amazing. Thank you. And like the show, guys, if you haven't seen it yet, Hot Rides and Real Estate, it will be in the description. Check it out on YouTube, it's hilarious. It's actually like, I, like the episode with Charles, like you guys had me crying in the beginning, like that was so funny, that intro, the way it started off, so much fun. And it's good energy, good vibes, and good information. So the fact that you called it, uh, what did you call it, edutainment? Edutainment, yeah. I love that, I love that, because you're giving education and you're giving entertainment all together in one bundle. And that's the way it should be. You should really enjoy learning. It should be fun, it should be exciting, it should be funny. Uh, it should be something, because you can remember that easy, you know, and you enjoy it, you want more of it. So uh, education doesn't have to be as formal as, as people think. It should be super fun. I like that. Yeah. So guys, hopefully this was a good introduction into the world of JB. You guys are gonna go on Instagram, social media, follow him. He dropped a lot of gems for us here today. I really do appreciate you for coming on the show. I wanna be super respectful of your time because I think we could talk about this stuff forever. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, guys, if you wanna make something happen, you need to get started. JB, I do have two questions for you before I let you go. Sure. And these are my favorite questions to ask people at the end of every show, right? Number one, because I'm big into reading, I'm big into self-education. Can you name a minimum of two books? Let's actually say a maximum of two books. So I've had people get the list out. But no more than two books that were complete paradigm shifts for you. Like they, you read these books, you opened them up, and you haven't been able to close Pandora's box after it. Yeah. I mean, one, one of them is The 10X Rule by Grant Cardone. That was a great book. It's, uh, that's one of the first times I, I opened up that book, and it really just like, I, I, I flew with it. I think that was a phenomenal book. Uh, still is, not past tense, still is. <laughs> uh, and then, let's see, a lot, a lot of Grant books were good. Um, hmm. I was gonna actually recommend something else, but I don't think they're ready for that yet. Let me, uh, Ooh, let's see. okay. Yeah, yeah, so. I'm gonna have to get that one. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Another, another book I'd recommend is also a Grant Cardone book, which is uh, Seller Be Sold. Mm. If you're looking to get into sales, let me drop one more if that's all right with you. I got which it, is, Alec. <laughs> which is be obsessed or be average. That so, one was like that's right. Yeah, like I was reading it and I was I was on an airplane reading that and I was yeah. so wired. Yeah, it's like holy cow. Yes. Yeah. Great so, book. Yeah, that, that 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 book that book is amazing. So if you're looking to get started or, or, or fired up, I think those are one of the great ways that there's a lot of books I can recommend. It's hard to like narrow it down to two. So I know you gave me a two limit. I did three. Thank you for giving me that. <laughs> and <laughs> you know what? You know what's really funny? I gotta say, because uh, you're a testament to something, right? I know a lot of folks don't necessarily like Grant Cardone because they feel that his energy is too aggressive or it's this or it's that. Mm -hmm. And yet I'm sitting here with you and you're someone that's like, you're, you've got a nice calm energy about you, right? And it goes to show, don't block off information because of a preconceived notion you have of potentially the individual, right? Dive deep, go figure out for yourself. Don't just take someone else's word for it because someone put it into my mind that Grant Cardone was this or like that and then I started reading his information on my own and I said, right. there's nothing wrong, this is good information. Good information is good information and then you start yeah. looking into the guy's story and you're like, this is a good guy. Like, so I'm happy to hear you like to be able to pick books that came right from Grant Cardone because I've read the Be Obsessed or Be Average and holy cow, that's a good book. Yeah, I mean, what I, what I can tell you about Grant is, yeah, his energy's, his energy's strong, right? And normally that's not the type that, that, that I connect to, but where, 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 I, where I connected with him, like a quick, quick like sideline story is, yeah. I was at the, one of the lowest points in my entire life. And I was just on, I was on YouTube and he just popped up. And at that moment, that dude woke me up. 
And I don't care, you could say anything you want about the guy's energy. Maybe you don't need someone to like, but sometimes you're at a level where you need that energy. And that energy is something I fed off of for a long time. And I remember that, uh, you know, where I was when he came down to NASDAQ 2016, and no, 2015. And at the time I was going through uh, a lot of financial issues because of, there was a falling out with, my, with one of my brokers. She didn't pay me out on anything. I just got married. My wife just got laid off. So we're like newlyweds with like no income. I went down there and um, I borrowed $100 from a friend to have a grant sign. I wasn't gonna use the money. I didn't have the money, but I had to borrow it. And he signed it and I put in a frame. That frame's still at my house today. And I, I came home to my wife and I said, uh, one day I'm gonna be doing business with this guy and it's the least amount of money we'll ever have It's gonna get bigger from there. Wow. So I could tell you that in 2018, I, I did business with Grant. You know, I, got, I, I was in his licensee program and I was one of the first in the entire country to do that. Uh, and uh, you know, he connected me with a few people and a few things that I would have never ever found without him. So before you try to just look for like this with anyone, but I could tell you firsthand with Grant because I know him firsthand, is uh, before you dive in and try to find something you don't like about him, maybe you should find this. The guy was, uh, you know, he comes from, at one point he was so addicted to drugs, his life was falling apart. He totally changed that into creating a sales career for himself and then from there going to the consulting-based business. He wrote books that are helpful, that do help you. Um, he brings a certain energy to a room and even if you can't really understand necessarily how successful, how big something can get, remember this. When someone comes from that far to come so far up that you can't even imagine getting that high, you gotta look at how low he was. Mm. You know, and, and that's something where you might feel like, oh, he's too wired or he's too this, he's too that. You don't gotta love everything about him. That's not what's important. You don't like, I don't love everything about anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anything. So what I could tell you is I don't really, we could talk about stuff that someone doesn't like about him, but here's what I'll tell you. The stuff I do like about him changed my life forever. And if there's stuff I don't like, that has nothing to do with the fact, or that doesn't invalidate the fact that I wouldn't be where I'm at. It didn't, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. We wouldn't be talking probably or met had he not entered my life. So what I would tell someone is if you're watching Grant or watching someone else, you don't have to love the guy all the way. Right? You don't, you don't, do you really love your waiter all the way? No, you love the fact that he's gonna bring the food <laughs> that you order, right? That doesn't mean you're gonna invite him over to your house. Right? You don't love your mechanic to the point where you want him, like, you like people to a certain extent of what they can offer you. And what I could tell you is, is that, you know, you don't need to trust him 100%. Trust him 2%, he'll earn the other 98. I like that. And I would say the same thing goes for anyone that you're trying to follow. So, not, not to make a show about GC, but I'm just telling you, like, it's, it's something where, I think there's a lot to lose by not listening versus by listening. Right. Well, you know, that's an important lesson right there. It's just essentially, you know, the biggest takeaway, or I can tell you like for myself, when you said that, the biggest takeaway is find what you want and like in the situation, in the people. Yeah. Because in everything, people, situations, jobs, opportunities, there's always going to be negative. There's always going to be positive. Right. Be a positive extractor. Extract the positive for yourself. Use it for yourself. Get as much of it as you can from whatever situation you're going through and then keep it pushing. You don't need to take everything. You can leave the bad and just take the good. Exactly. Yeah, don't, don't ever invalidate wins. Like people do that all the time. You find something that works that you like. You don't have to like all of it to dislike all of it. Just, I like this. This works for me. Work with that. You don't like something, look, you don't, gotta, you don't gotta deal with it. Right, you don't even have to acknowledge it, yeah. just work with this. Exactly. So that's really good advice. So now, final question, and sure. this one is my absolute favorite question. So let's imagine you wake up tomorrow and you don't know anything. Like you are a blank slate. I mean, everything that you spent the last 16 years learning, gone. Relationships, gone. Like you just all you know is your name you mm -hmm. and actually you don't you don't even know your name you just okay. wake up tomorrow and you newborn just newborn baby you're a newborn baby but you're still in the same body and that's it you're just a blank slate complete amnesia however you do have one piece of information in your mind there's one piece of knowledge one bit of wisdom that you know to be true and for whatever reason you're not questioning it you're just taking it and you're running with it what would you want that one piece of information to be so I want the, I, I, I'm literally, I can keep one thing basically you're you saying. You keep one thing and like, and you're not gonna question, you're not gonna ask yourself like, why do I think this? Why do I, why do I believe? This? You're just gonna believe it without a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt. I'm a spiritual being. 
That's what I want to remember. As a spiritual being, you can't die. You can't be destroyed. Uh, you can't be stupid. You'll always persevere. So what I would want if I could have one thing is be, I'm a spiritual being. I'm not just a body. And with that, I can go restore everything else. I love it. I love that. That's a great answer. Thank you. That's the truth. This is what I want, you know? That's what I want. Great question. Thank love you. the question. Thank Made you. me think. All right, guys, I'll up with you in the future. But, uh, you know, that's your introduction to JB. JB, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. And for people that want to check you out, like, where should they go? What's the best way to get in contact with you, to find you, and to uh, learn more about what you're doing? So on every social platform, it's JB Bolvedin, at JB Bolvedin. You can reach out to me, message me. I'll get back to you. You know, if you have any questions for me, you can reach out. And uh, that'll be the fastest way for us to connect. Awesome. So, guys, reach out to him. Hit him up. He'll, if he has time, I can guarantee you he'll respond. And, you know, soak up that knowledge. Soak up the wisdom. Soak up the information because it's coming from a true place. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Of course. Man, that was awesome. Hey, I really hope you enjoyed this episode and that you were able to get some sort of value from it. If you found anything that was valuable, please go into the comments. Let us know what it was, what your key takeaway was. We look through the comments every day. We respond to all of them, and it lets us know what's working, what's resonating, and what we should talk more about. If you have found anything to be useful that you're able to apply to your life, go back and listen to it again because the second and third time you come around and listen to the information, what you find is the information doesn't change, but you change and new things are going to start to stand out to you. That's why we record these. That's why they're out there for you to come back to and listen. And finally, if you are finding value here. I need you. I need you to go out and share this with a friend. Send this to them. Let them know they need to listen. They need to take action and they need to change their life because if you want to grow, you're going to need your network to grow. You're going to need your inner circle to grow. Okay. So that's the best gift you can give somebody. Give them education that they can apply to their life and level themselves up. Keep learning and keep growing. I'll see you on the next episode.